Oh, hello. Greetings, Reclaimers. I am 343 Guilty Spark, monitor of Podcast Evolved. Protocol dictates that you must listen. Come. We have a wealth of knowledge to share with you, and you don't want to make my blue eye red. Do you, Reclaimers? another Halo Bookload episode as part of Podcast Evolved, your home for Halo. I'm your host today, David, and with me is Aaron. Hi, guys. And Krista. Hello. And this month's book club, I say this month, but you're getting multiples, is Bloodline, Halo Bloodline. Not Bloodlines, as I keep trying to say. It's okay, I've been saying that too. <laughs> it is another one of the Marvel comics, so it's an old school. So, I'll do some of our stuff before we get started. Please check out our awesome website if you haven't already. It's Halo Podcast Evolved, also halopodcast.com. It's pretty amazing. It has all of our old shows, all of our current content as well. You will get our normal Podcast Evolved, which is our weekly show. We will also see Mission Debrief, which is our on hiatus show but it's a breakdown of all the campaign missions in halo played one at a time we also have build with blocks which is centered around the micro action figures and brick based construction sets of the halo universe it is quite popular amongst the kids we should we like to say (laughs) we have a patreon page that supports and helps us do everything we do that's patreon.com slash halo podcast evolved we offer a variety of exclusive rewards for our members like early episodes various swags all sorts of lovely bits and pieces so we also want to take this moment to thank our patrons you're all amazing thank you very much for your support you've been fantastic this year in the year that's in it so thank you all for sticking with us finally if any of our listeners would like to listen to or support audible you can listen to a growing collection of the halo novels all in one place there if you like those fake books like aaron does there's thousands of other novels you've got access to as well as what guided wellness programs audible originals and much more if you use this specific url audible trial.com slash podcast evolved you will be supporting us as well so thank you very much and that will get you a free trial by the way i resent that they're real books no they're fake books isn't that right christopher brown you can't even read real books anymore because of it it's like a disease to be fair i was a slow reader even before i got audiobooks no excuses i was very disturbed the other day i was just to sidetrack us for one second i was talking about audible with tom because he signed up briefly and i realized i've got 60 novels on audible <laughs> that's a lot that's a lot of audible books yes my library's huge i didn't realize it was that big now i'm kind of traumatized <laughs> is it because you have to listen to all of those he already has, I'd say, if he it's has It's the them. fact I have listened to them all, Krista. At least the Sherlock Holmes collection is like 80 hours of audiobook on its own. Damn, that's a lot of listening. Yeah, I think that's all one credit, so it's like 80 hours of Stephen Fry talking to you for one credit. It's brilliant. Oh, fuck. Damn. Anyway, that's not the book we're here to discuss. No. Today we are doing Halo, but like we said, the author is Fred Van Lente, and... 
Francois Portarella. It the pencils and inks and colors. These are two guys. I don't know them that well. They're obviously Marvel comic artists. So this is one of the Marvel books, like I said on the introduction. There are, are about three comics, I think, from that survived the the Marvel relationship with Microsoft. They were all done within a year or two of each other, I think. I think so. They're all in my beautiful comic. It's Uprising, Helljumpers, and Bloodlines. Yeah, there was also Halo the graphic novel. Was that Marvel as well? I think that might be Marvel, but it's not in this three-book collection. Okay. The graphic novel was hard-covered, so I think it came out in its own. It might be in the the oversized collection. I have it separately by itself, but it's, it's like soft back but it's old the formats are all you can obviously you can i think you can get it digitally still some of them are kind of hard hard, these books are hard to find because of their age the release dates to come out in issues so issue one was december 23rd 2009 we have issue two january 27th 2010 issue three february these dates are not as old as i thought 2010 oh my god it's 10 years ago that is a long time ago issue three is february 24th 2010 issue four was 24th of march 2010 Issue 5 was the 28th of April in 2010. We also have the hardcover collection came out in August 2010. We have the oversized collection, like Aaron said. It came out the 15th of October 2013. The length is also 120 pages. It's not huge. Uh, you can get through quick enough. The summary of the story is as follows. It's a five-issue comic book published by Marvel Comics. It follows Team Black, uh, a team of standard stranded sorry, Spartan 2 commandos set before the fall of Reach in mid-2552. It doesn't give you too much details other than that, which sounds kind of strange but essentially the the spartan team are a four-man team that get i say four-man before man team that get stranded with an ai on a planet and they have some unusual alliances the story goes places lots of stuff happens it takes place around august 2552 we said like before the fall of reach it's, it takes place in a place called Subsector 35, Unidentified Moon, and an installation 1-4. It's a forerunner installation, so the story goes a few kind of interesting places. Black Team are kind of sent on an only ship to pretend to be prospecting a planet, and their mission is essentially to either get captured and take over a ship, or find a ship and take over a ship. Kind of like either kill all the crew or get gather as much intelligence as they can. That's kind of their objective. So, which is kind of interesting because that's very similar to Operation Red Flag, which was what Johns and Red Team were supposed to go do. And like the remaining Spartans were supposed to be sent out and go capture a profit, capture a ship, bring it back to reach. So I think that's kind of interesting. I'm just going to say, I don't like Black Team. <laughs> Black Team are not well liked uh, of the Halo community. You think they'd be cool because it's Black Team. Black is a cool color. Black is a cool like color. Spec Ops or something. But no, that's Gray Team. The black armor is slightly wasted on Black Team. It really is. Like you think it should be super cool. Like oh shit, this is gonna be like the super like stealthy guys or something. Yeah, I've tried to like these guys. We've done another one of Black Team's stories before. The one with the... An escalation? No, not escalation. Is that escalation? No, there's one with Escalation the... is when they meet the didact. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. There's like a short story, and I think Black Team are in it. It's something about t- uh, buggers under a city. Oh. That's ODST. <laughs> <laughs> I actually stopped for a second and went, what am I thinking of? What am I thinking of? I don't know, but I'm going to need to try and find out. Where are you you thinking of this? What other stuff has Black Team in it? But either way, I don't like their dynamic. They don't really act like Spartan. They don't have a Spartan dynamic, which is weird. They all have this, like, weird, like, resentment and shit going on. 
And, like, they're holding grudges against each other. They're just not, like, a happy, cohesive unit like a Spartan family should be. There we go. Halo Evolutions, they are in blunt instruments. Oh. That is Black Team's first appearance. I'm pretty sure we've done a book club on that because I remember talking about it. They're in a city. They're fighting. There's buggers. They argue with each other a lot. They're not the most professional. And we're not talking about, like, nice blue team banter that we get when they're together. This is, like, actual, like, fighting and not liking each other and stuff like that. They set them up in a weird way where they're, like, finishing each other's sentences and, like, not having coherent conversation and stuff from for outsiders. It's just, it's just set up in a very strange way. And then the whole story is then a lot of teenage kind of angst boiling over. Well, and by this time, like, this was back when they were on Halo, when they were in Reach. Like, it's just, when they were younger in school and stuff like that. It goes to a weird place. I think, like, we'll have to touch on it, but I have chosen to call it Targaryen-ishness going on about them. (laughs) They having sexy time. There is an inter-team romance, and I'm like... No, you talk about yourselves as brothers and sisters, and I don't care. It's not in the brother-in-arms way. It's more in that we are family, because they hammer that home. But they're also a family where two of the brothers and sisters have got too close. It's weird. I don't like all of that. It just It's beautiful art. It's really bright and really colorful. I think Iona's a great character, but then these guys are just jerks. I think the antagonists are good in this, and they're not even really antagonists. Well, I guess, like, the Monitor's an antagonist, and he's really interesting. Iona's super interesting, and I think that those Elite Brothers are super interesting, but, like, Black Team are just there to, like, shoot things, basically. Should we, like, do just a quick rundown of what happens? First off, this book is about Black Team. So Black Team is Margaret 053. She's Black 1. She's the leader. We have Roma 143. That's Black 2. The intelligence specialist. We have Otto 031, the heavy weapon specialist, that's Black 3, and Victor 101, that's Black 4, the sniper. And these names are never said other than Victor in like. They're always just called by their numbers, and it gets a little. Can, it, I feel like it. there's an issue with getting to like actually like connect with the characters when they're just numbers. I know it's a very Halo thing because you have Blue Team will always refer to each other as Blue 1, Blue 2. Only when on mission. Otherwise, they do refer to each other as Fred, Linda, and John. You know, they do talk to each other like that. These guys don't even refer to themselves as like blue one and two very, or black one and two very often. It's just like one, two, three, and four. And I'm like, that's a bit weird. You think you'd call yourselves by your Spartan number? True. It's very dehumanizing. And then they try to like cover this very human kind of drama issue between them. So they're like... On one of the hands, they're dehumanizing them by having them just labeled as numbers. But on the other hand, they're trying to tell this very human, like, emotional story between three of them. And it's a little bit confusing. Yeah, it is very confusing to even tell them apart. And then also, at various stages, there's flashbacks and overlays. But, like, they're replaced by their childlike avatar in the panel of whatever situation is in. So you're kind of getting a little bit mixed up over, like... Okay, what's happening right now? Is this a flashback? Oh, no, it's not. It's just showing you these characters as children in the situation they're in now as adults. And it's not even like, there should have been like, the first panel should have been a dossier. Like, this is, you know, Black One. This is their name. This is what they look like without their helmet. Like, one of those for everyone. Just to introduce the team. 
even in the panels when they're kids and obviously they have their numbers on their shoulder, on their arms, it is still very difficult when you're looking at their faces to see who is who. The story, Black Team are sent on this ship, the long time coming. It's an explorer ship being sent out. Iona is the AI. They get this, they go to like enter their slip place code to go to this unexplored area of space and they get this really weird simple yet complex message iona says at the same time that's kind of like a warning but she doesn't figure it out till the last minute right before they hit their slip space and then on the other side of it there's a covenant cruiser that also gets the same message and they also choose to ignore it and this cruiser is called the clarity of faith and you have these two elites kind of on this bridge there's like obviously a very antagonistic relationship between these two guys you learn quickly that they're brothers you have thon and wreck Ref, sorry. And they also choose to ignore this message. But I want to realize at the last minute, it's a warning. Don't go through slip space. They go through slip space. Anyway, they get attacked by this crazy storm. It like destroys their sh- a lot of their ship. It crash lands on a planet. The same thing happens to the Covenant cruiser. Iona kind of wakes up to say, I told you so. And like everybody's brutally dead in that panel. It's <laughs> yeah. so horrible. A lot of the elites are dead as well. Only like a lot of their, some hunters get- are still there and a couple of grunts. And immediately Black Team are kind of like let out and they kind of immediately kind of recon the area. They have a lot of back talk. We're trying to set up these characters here. We immediately don't really like them that much. They take, they meet Iona. Iona gets plugged into a Spartan and they pretty much go on the run. Black 2 gets left behind on this ship to kind of set up the signal for like, come and get us, help us. Black 1, 2 and 3 leave. And we don't hear from Black 2 for a lot of the story. No, she becomes irrelevant. There's really, she just has no, she features once as a plot point at the very end or near the end of the story. But like, apart from that, she just, no point in her being there. Mm-hmm. I don't mind it that much because it makes it, imagine having a, a fourth person in the mix of like trying to figure out who's who. So at least we know that we have a little, well, the love triangle that comes afterwards makes that a little bit easier to negotiate. So Black team go out and say, we found the structure. We don't know what it is. They haven't met four runners before. So they make their way towards the structure. On their way there, their warhog gets attacked by a wraith. Obviously, the Covenant are still around off their ship. And there's kind of a third enemy comes in. This crazy thing with tentacles. It captures a hunter. It captures a grunt. It captures an elite ref. And it captures Spartan 1. Black 1. And just takes them away. There's like a cool kind of fight scene here, fighting this creature, These everybody kind of fighting each other. It's kind of not clear who's who yet. The device, the the creature that came and attacked and like captured one of each type of, of race is not like anything we've ever seen before. It's full of tentacles, it's got like a big tube. It's weird. It's quite strange. It looks like someone was told to design a forerunner machine that needed to be in the Matrix movies. Yeah. Yeah, it has a Matrix movie vibe about it. I was wondering where I saw something like this. That's exactly what it's like. And there's all these tubes with liquids in it with a weird color, kind of suspending everybody. The story kind of travels really fast. So Black 3 and 4 are now running to get it. They run into the structure because that's where um, the captured people have have been taken. Uh, They run after it. Iona manages to hack the door and keep it open for a little while longer while... um, Black 3 kind of uses a sniper rifle to wedge open the door for a second, and then it gets shattered. Sorry, that's Black 4 does that. The sniper rifle's gone, their weapons are down low, they get attacked by sentinels, they fight them a little bit, and then they're kind of stuck inside, they kind of don't know where to go. The complex is huge, and at the same time, the Covenant arrive, and Thon is, like, upset because this is his brother, he's trying to, like, rescue him. He's trying to get into the structure with the hunters kind of shooting it, they can't get in, he gets... He gets upset and then starts singing a song. He's like his eulogy for his friend. 
Which is weird. Which is weird. We've never really kind of seen this before, but like he's like singing his warrior song for his lost brother. Who's not even confirmed dead yet. That's the thing that's weird. Because like he sings a, a death song for his brother and then goes and finds him. It's very Klingon warrior. Yes, it is. And then like Spartan 4 hears this and like gets Iona to translate and is like she feels she feels sorry for him. And then, or sorry, this is Victor, feels sorry for him. He decides that, okay, we're going to let them in. We're going to have a truce, use Iona to translate. Which she does a fantastic job, by the way, of immediately getting Forerunner tech and hacking doors and then immediately knowing how to, like, translate and, like, get over, like, the Covenant uh, language barrier and stuff. So I thought that was pretty cool. She's obviously quite an adaptable, good AI. I'm not sure what she was built for. She's an intelligence AI. They mentioned it at one point. She's a like an Oni intelligence processing AI. Okay, that, that makes sense then, that she's as good as she is at doing this. So she pretty much translates the truce. The Covenant seems to agree because he's like, I'm going to go get my brother. So they kind of work together very quickly. And now one of the first kind of fracture points in the story here is Spartan 3 is not happy with this and pulls a gun on Spartan 4. And they have like a tense conversation and a bunch of flashbacks where it gets kind of confusing what's happening it's so weird to see a spartan pulling a gun on a fellow spartan just for this i know it feels weird just like this weird little tiff and immediately they're like i'm going to threaten you because we're working with elites or something like that it's like what the hell you guys are working right now like yeah these are like the weird version of gray team because Grey team are the Spartan team that always seem like they're ready to come to blows but never do. And they're like, oh, these guys are on this team together because they can't really work together. And then you've got this Spartan team where you're like, the motherfuckers are beating each other up. Grey team never came to blows. You're right. I think this is just trying. The story is all about showing us this is what an emotionally compromised Spartan looks like. This is what happens because it gets kind of revealed that there is a relationship, a secret relationship that happened between Spartan 1 and we think Spartan 4, but it actually turns out it was Spartan 3 with the relationship because Spartan 4 was jealous, saw them making out in the showers and ratted them out to Mendez. Then Spartan 1 and 3 got put in the brig and then Red Team, a Red Team, came into the brig and beat the shit out of Spartan 1 and took her eye. There's just way too much shit going on in this, honestly. Like, this is too much. And then it turns out that Spartan 4 put himself in the position of Spartan 3 and made fake memories believing that he was the one in the relationship with Spartan 1 and he was ratted out. All this aggravation and, like, pulling the gun on the Spartan is because of this, of all this backstory, back history of something that happened when they were kids, which is crazy. And then this is just how it spills out. It really doesn't help the confusion between characters at all, though. No, it doesn't. It makes it really difficult that you have these hard-to-tell characters who are themselves confusing themselves. And it's like, holy shit. I also don't for a second buy that if Halsey had have been told that some of the Spartans were, like, trying to fuck, she would have absolutely sent them for therapy. She would have shut them down or something. The only reason why I think she might not have done that is to experiment to see what happens if I don't. And that's the only thing I could think of, of like, she wanted to see maybe what would happen. Like, would that make a better Spartan? It's the only reason I could think of. No, fucking your brothers and sisters in arms is not good. It's not good at all. Well, yeah, they don't do it anyway. We We know what they don't. Anyway, back to the main story. So there's a terse alliance made between 
Thon and Spartan Black 3 and 4. There's a lot of weirdness in, with this story. So, like, they get attacked again by... They're working through the thing. They get attacked again by um, Sentinels. There's kind of... is a funny moment where, like, they have to climb down a shaft. The Spartan Black team are like, how are the grunts going to get down? They just jump onto a hunter, and the hunter jumps off the ledge. And they're all like, "Wee! this is great. And they crash down to the bottom. And, like, Spartan 3 is like, I just want to shoot them now. And Thon is like, I agree. I just want to shoot the like he obviously has no time for the grunts either. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was kind of a cool moment. There's just a lot of little kind of um small moments that are that are kind of that are good. They have some great exchanges where they're kind of almost like trying to understand each other and what they've been through and stuff like that, which is nice. There is a lot of that, yeah. Because but it is all about family. Where like Thon is agreeing to like ally him then with the humans because he wants his brother back. He's so passionate about his brother because they're the last two of this bloodline. And then, obviously, the Spartan Black team want to get their sister back. So they're obviously very sister sat lover back because they're... So it's all this tied up emotion of, like, this team. And then there's a bit of understanding coming across between the elites. And obviously, we obviously know this from Halo, like, that there are a lot of similarities between how the Spartans view themselves and humanity as a whole and how the elites work. So you get to see that. It's kind of cool. Yeah, like, you can see, like... There's the budding of an Arbiter Chief relationship going on here where they could absolutely be allies with each other. It just sort of hints at it, but never quite gets there. Also, just to go back to the Hunter thing, it's very cool that I never considered that Hunters can jump from any height because they ain't got no bones. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they're basically suits of elastic bands. They can do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah, they could. And then while these guys are searching for their friends, there is also another story going on of the guys who are captured and put into these tanks, and we meet a new monitor. And this is the monitor of this installation, which kind of purpose of it is essentially is to look for a flood immunity, which is actually very interesting, I think. that It, it makes sense that an installation will be set up to do this. So it's 686 Exuberant Prism. I said that wrong. Uberant, 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 Prism? I think so. We're just going to call him Prism from now on. So this monitor is obviously of this installation, and they're, he's analyzing. He's essentially like a Venus flytrap of, of an area of space. So explorers come, ships come. It has a weapon in this installation that can target your ship in subspace and cause it to crash and bring it down on this planet where it then takes your material and analyzes you. And it pretty much disintegrates your body. And that's how he like analyzes your then genetic material, I guess. The hunter is the first one to get brutally kind of analyzed in this manner. We get the first, probably one of the most interesting pieces of information from this comic out of this, that, that hunters are immune to the flood. Yes. There is a primary directive that this, cre- that this installation is trying to achieve, and there isn't enough mass in the hunter to do it. I guess it's trying to either replicate it, or something. I'm not. I'm not really sure what the primary objective was. That one hunter wasn't enough to do it. I think it's defined immunity so that it can be translated into other sentient beings. But hunters aren't sentient enough. Hunters aren't sentient enough to translate their immunity into like a higher species. The worms are immune, but the worms as individuals aren't enough of a creature to like make it relevant. That's what I took away from us. Yeah, that might make sense. That's really kind of cool, and I like that story. There's also a budding relationship here, told very quickly between Black One and Ref, who is uh, captured. And he's the more pious of the two elites. He's really religious, which kind of becomes important later. So he's trying, he believes he's on his way to the Great Journey, 
and then sees what happens and is like, oh shit, this is not the great journey. You're the false oracle, but they're kind of talking and kind of like keeping each other going in this tense situation. That's interesting enough, I think, that these two under this extreme situations, uh, kind of like Chief and Arbiter, can get along. I'm going to jump ahead a bit because there's not really a lot that's very interesting other than this team eventually splits up and the monitor becomes aware of the team the force coming in and decides to like immediately hacks in finds iona hacks into her gets inside spartan 4 who has iona's chip in his head starts manipulating him and he decides they're going to manipulate these forces to fight each other so he they have to split up because they get to like two an area with two tunnels so the spartans go one way and the covenant go the other way he makes spartan 2 is it Spartan 2 shows up? Oh, yeah. He, Spartan 2 comes from the ship back to here. Yes. He makes Spartan, well, he or she, makes Spartan 2 think that Spartan 3 and 4 are elites. So Spartan 2 takes a shot from across the canyon and hits, I believe, 3. Yeah. And then Spartan 4 has to, like, defend himself. So he sees Thawne. On the other side, he doesn't see Spartan 2. And then he does this weird, unrealistic jump where he sails across the chasm in a way that even Master Chief with a rocket up his ass couldn't make it. I was like, is he in zero G or something? It's He does a crazy jump, gets across, crawls his way back up and shoots this person in the head. And who he thinks is Thawne. And then it turns out it isn't. And then he kind of is, his brain is broken trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Because he sees a black Spartan 2 with a headshot dead in front of him and he's freaking the fuck out and iona is freaking out because she can't talk to him because she's trying to fight the monitor and run away from him she's freaking out over what the hell's going on then you have spartan 3 who gets up and then he sees the covenant forces who come who double back because they found the dead end so they followed them in their their tunnel and he immediately attacks them and kills some grunts so then they start fighting it's it's a big cluster You've got the scene where three is fighting with Thawne going, really weird that you and me are fighting because four said that he's fighting you. And he he jumped across the canyon to kill you. And I was like, oh. And then Iona's like moving through four's memories and she realizes that there's something wrong. Which is also weird that like she's in the suit accessing his memories and then... She running away from the monitor, she stumbles into the the real set of memories where he subbed himself into the, the love story. And then the monitor becomes distracted by this going, oh, this is fascinating that you could do this, this strength of will that you could create another persona and stuff. So that helps him get distracted. And then Spartan 4 comes back to Spartan 3 and Iona then gets through and like, convinces them that they're fi- they shouldn't be fighting because... Spartan 4 starts shooting back, doesn't it? Yeah, they have this, like, big fight between them. 4 breaks them up by sniping all of them again. Yeah. What happens is 3 and 4 are fighting. Iona tries to step in. 4 yanks the chip and goes to crush Iona. But 3 fights and tackles them. And then meanwhile, 1 and Raph are in the control room. And 1 realizes... They've all realized now that 4 has this whole fake memory thing. And she goes... I, I realize what I can do to stop all this. And she just shouts, I forgive you. And four yeah. immediately stops and goes, oh, fuck. And then realizes that he's been feeling guilty about this the whole time because he ratted them out and he caused her to lose her eye. And then it all falls into place. 
And then while four's like coming back down, three jams the chip back in his head. And then Iona helps him settle back down again. I think that's how that all gets resolved. Yeah. And then one immediately gets crushed by a hunter. Right. <laughs> how one got out and ref, they got out of, so they were talking to the monitor while this fighting was all going on. So one notices that on the harvester, there's like a ammo clip got left there. So she uses her helmet to reflect the laser beam that disintegrates and analyzes you to break out hits the device, hits the ammo pack, which blows up that harvester creature that lets her out. By the way, Black Team figure out that they can rummage around in the kind of remains and pull out weapons out of the Sentinels. And so they pull out this big cannon. She chooses it to get Ref out. They go on the run. She shoots them on there a bunch of times. They get to a control room, immediately figure out how to use it, know what the weapon is. All the story is kind of revealed. And then she uses her communications to talk to Black Team, while Ref also makes his communications to talk to Thon, who then leaves all the Spartans fighting and then comes back to the control room. And then truce is broken. And that's kind of where we end up. Ref immediately turns into Julem Dama and decides yeah. he's going to set up a new covenant because he knows the truth. He goes full crazy real fast. Yeah, like instantly. I thought that was weird. And he's like, I'm going to kill my brother who came all this way to save me. It's really sad, actually. Yeah, it, it clearly it shows it was a one-way relationship where Thon was like way more into the fact that he defended his brother his whole life because he saw him as he was weak elite and he should have been weeded out. But he fought for him and defended him because he saw something for spark of greatness in him. And the other brother didn't give a shit and thought he was great his whole life. Got to this moment where he turned on the sword and killed his own brother. It was really sad. Thon was a cool elite. He was a cool character. And then we get a demonstration of extreme monitor power where the monitor reappears and just leaves a set of smoking boots. Yeah, just fucking blasts him. 343 didn't even fucking blast Johnson that hard. No, it, it hurt him, but he didn't. He wasn't a fucking smoldering pile of nothing. Well, I think this monitor is slightly different because his beam is for analyzing. Because he says at the time when he's chasing them, they're like, okay, a manual dissection is not prefer- preferable, but I'll do it in this situation. I get, I get the feeling that his beam is slightly different, that it's doing something different. That makes sense. But the smoking boots is pretty hilarious. And then we get the immediate all of black team coming together to be best friends as they're fighting the, the two-page panel right that's crazy that is the three members of black team that we know because remember black two is dead with him from a headshot uh, are all fighting the monitor and all his creatures and his t- crazy matrix tentacles and in this scene there i missed it there uh, i didn't really realize the first time i went back to have a look at it there's a grunt being ripped in half oh fuck really <laughs> it is really horrible just totally ripped in half like sideways it's horrible Grunts just don't don't do well. The monitor uses its beam to like kill a sentinel or a the last hunter. Black team kind of run out of ammo. They don't really know what to do. And then Black Two shows up out of the blue and going, "Holy crap!" And then there's like a Black Two. Everyone do what we do best. Work together. And everybody shoots at the monitor at the same time. And the monitor just goes off focus like and, and legs it. And then it's the Covenant. Guys, Thon and Rick, Ref send out a beam to the, a Covenant Armada. Come and get us at this planet. The, this Armada is coming. So Black Team is like, holy shit, we got to get out of here. And then Black One activates the weapon with the monitor in it, around it. And it almost looks like it destroys that monitor and then takes out that Covenant fleet. That's like another little story that's happening. Um, so that's kind of important. 
There's a lot going on in this comic. It's a little too much. And then there's a bit of a heavy-handed ending of, okay, this fleet that crashes, there's about 100 Covenant left. Black team are going to go out and go out fighting against this team. But they have like a, oh, there's one slip space intact drive out there and we can use that to get back to the station. You're like, how are you going to use a drive without a ship? (laughs) We're just going to strap it to one of the Spartans. Are we just going to George it? Yeah, they're just going to George it. That's kind of what it's done. They were dragging it back to the ship. I'm not sure why that ship is goosed. That's Halo Bloodlines. We don't like Spartan Black Team. I think that's kind of our thing. Iona was kind of cool. I liked I liked her. I like Iona. Black Team have never been redeemable in any of the stuff. In the Escalation story, I think they're all dicks. In this, they're weird, incestuous dicks. In Escalation, <laughs> they just get destroyed. And I know, like, it was very deliberate that they needed some Spartans to kill to show what a threat the Didact was, but, like... The way they go on here, I am not surprised the black team failed. Yeah, I, I do feel bad about the end, how that ends. As much as I don't, I'm not a fan of black team. It's just how they're portrayed it, they're kind of immature a little bit. That That's typically why no, nobody really likes they, They're not the most likable. The story itself is interesting. I, I kind of like the, the wrappings of what's happening. That's kind of cool. Looking for a foreigner installation, looking for a flood immunity, and like analyzing different species and breaking them down. And that's all very interesting. I do like that. What do you guys think? Any, any kind of last comments? There's, there's no real trivia for this. Big meh. Chris is meh, Anna. It's beautiful, bright, colorful art, which I really appreciate. Like, it's... Yeah. There's so much color all over it. They really go out of their way to make it, like, nice, attractive art. But I don't care about Black Team. I, I just... I don't like them. I'm honestly all right that they're gone. I don't lose any sleep at night thinking about it. And it also frees up the black color for someone else. no they've retired it they've retired black yeah it just i get what they're going for but they get into a very creepy lannister it's not as bad as you make it out it's weird they keep flashing back to the scene of them making out in the toilet it's like 20 times in it it's like okay yeah i get it they were making out in a bathroom jesus all right okay okay and i don't like the idea that these are the only Spartans that were ever in love with each other. I'm like, eh, no, I just, because they, like, they really ram it home at the very end of it. They have it here. What that they're it? a family. Like I yeah. said, this is the story of a family. What, beca- what became my family? And I'm like, you, you joined a weird incest cult. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you for joining us. You can find every episode of our show on our website, Halo Pockets of Bob. Like I said, at the top of the show, it also features our links to our Discord server, our Facebook group, Patreon page, Xbox Live Club, and other contact information. If you want to leave us a voicemail, you can at 205 Evolved. That's 205 386 It's an American number. I don't know how to use it, but you're welcome to try. And with that, <laughs> I have been your host, David, and until next time, Evolved. Evolved. evolved.